Breaker 1-9, this is the dog catcher, catching the stray mysteries, throwing them in the kennel of truth. Out there in the airwaves tonight, just looking for a conversation to have, maybe looking for some truth. Come on back. I got your 5 by 5 there, dog catcher. Well, you done rustled yourself up the side, Wanda, slithering around mysteries and the highways and byways of the unknown. Also, I'm 100 miles outside of Tulsa on my way to Shaky Town. Come on back. Ten four rig rider, dog catcher here, you loud and clear out here. Beautiful night. Maybe see me some UFOs up there in them stars. They coming down here just like disco lights in a bear trap. I'm doing a double nickel down here outside of Houston. Putting a hammer down in this old Peterbilt. Pushing it just like that ex-wife pushed me into places unknown. Come on, back. For sure, for sure. I feel your pain there, dog catcher. I'm between seat covers myself, but I'll tell you this. As soon as I find me a woman worth counting the buttons on her blouse, I'm gonna throw me a party old unholy crowley be jealous of, you hear? Yeah, I done heard you, driver. Boy, ain't nothing surprised me anymore. I was telling this fella out at truck stop the other day. Was hauling the load in this Kenworth down at old Honey Island, Louisiana. Heard tell he got chased by some Bigfoot-looking thing down there. So he was going double nickel down through there, and this Bigfoot thing, he was a boogie, and I guarantee you. Cause I didn't hardly believe him. Can't believe anything you see these days, not with these old hooker lookers. You done heard. I got you loud and clear, dog catcher. I swear 18 weather Jesus is looking right down on top of you right now because I can personally confirm what it is. In fact, I used to run that route myself with a cab over Pete Reaper. It was 12 years ago to this day I kicked my old lady out of that truck for being an ornery and cantankerous woman. I'll tell you what, to this day she's still ornery as a mama bear on a full moon. So I'll tell you what, you get in that stretch of road, you just keep on trucking. Ain't nothing in those swamps you want to deal with. And she stinks. Come on back. 10-4 on that, sidewalker. I best be getting off here. Got a long haul ahead of me. You have yourself a good night. Keep the shiny side up and the dirty side down. Keep between the dishes and keep them bars off your bumper. This here is Dog Catcher signing off. It's time for mysteries to sign on. (laughs) (laughs) USA. USA. That's the most fun we've had researching anything. (laughs) (laughs) Trucker lingo. You all should look up Cletus Maggard. Oh, you, you and just listen for a few should minutes. Should is a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you have to. Ah, I'm David Flora. And I'm David Stecco. And you have hit on the highway that is That's blurry right. photos. You pulled into the uh, the truck stop <laughs> of the unknown. <laughs> and you've ordered the, the chef's scramble of mystery. Uh, how's your summer, yo? Yeah, how's it going? Is it hot as it is here? Yeah, it's warm. It's a, it's a little little groggy out. <laughs> the it's, air's so thick, it's groggy. Yeah. The day seems stunned by the heat. <laughs> uh, but it, you know what? And I, I, I'm, we're crybabies for complaining because it's like early days. It's it's in like, what, the low 80s? And it's, I think it got up there today, but I mean... That, that only matters if you leave your house, which I don't. True, true. I had to leave my house. Yeah. Yeah, the only time we'll, we'll complain in the winter is when uh, it's uh, icy and you twist your ankle. That's right. That's, that's what happened to me. We're crybabies. <laughs> that's all there is to it. We just, we're going to no, complain about huge everything. huge crybabies in the summer. But you know what else, what, the, what, what this means? What? This means this hot, hot weather, terrible, terrible <laughs> heat. 
uh, means that the uh, Bristol Ren Fair is uh, oh going on. Oh my god! And we are going to go. Sometime. We are. We absolutely are. I will once again don my homemade chainmail soda pop top shirt, which gets me huge props. There, I'm a I'm a, a golden god of you the Ren Fair. Really are. <laughs> yeah, I need to I need to figure something out to to turn some heads and not just be some jackhole walking around ogling things. Don't just ogle. Just get yourself some mirrored sunglasses and, and pants that'll hide your erection, and you're fine. Um, <laughs> impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Bahoo! Oh man, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to uh, I'm going to eat a turkey leg this time. I I'm not. I got, <laughs> I, I did it last time. Oh, that's I tried. right. Yeah, you hated that. It was terrible. Oh, maybe I won't do that then. <laughs> hey. I don't want to. I don't want to take any life experience away from you or anything. No, I mean, there's a. I mean, I got one once, and I haven't for a long time, and I, maybe I've just forgotten. Maybe, but just it was not. Uh, it was not uh, my alley. Yeah. Oh, Ren Fair, you capricious wench. Uh, you, but we're we're gonna help you out with your summer because we are uh, we're, the one nice thing about the this time of year is camping times. Going outside, getting into the great outdoors, getting all bit up by mosquitoes. That's right, and um, and going to bed just feeling safe, secure, and content with no gnawing fear or nervousness. That's that's right. Oh wait, we're gonna fix that thunder sound. Yeah, really appropriate call. <laughs> yeah, this episode it's about high time we tell some campfire ghost stories. Thunder sound again. That was, uh, <laughs> well, when you do that with the scary voice, it has to have another thunder sound. Yeah, it has to have something. Very true. So, yeah, we're going to, uh, we like telling ghost stories, and there's not like a good ghost story holiday, but just camping, campfire stories. Yeah, that's what you do, man. Go out, you, you catch crawdads, and you, you tell stories. There's probably marshmallows involved somewhere, but... I, I like that you said that like you were yelling at children. You catch crawdads and you tell stories. The damn kids. You little bastards. Get out of here. <laughs> Give me my knife back. Um, yeah, so we're going <laughs> to... How did they get your knife? Shut up. <laughs> Youths. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're gonna set some... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna set your brain on fire. <laughs> um, yeah. So what what you can do is uh, either take us along with you. Yeah. Invite and, us and just, to your camping trips. And we're just fun. Set us on a log and, and play play us. Mm-hmm. Play this episode. Go back to our uh, Halloween ghost stories episode and play that too if you if you can't get enough. Or just I'm honestly like I mean I don't have many plans this week you know this summer so invite us we'll just come <laughs> or, with or you just, and tell we'll, stories we'll be there we've got our own gear and it's gonna be fine. And uh, if, if you want to take the hard uh, route, then just uh, mem- memorize everything that we say and, mm-hmm. and recite it yourself to your friends. That's right. So who wants to kick this thing off? Um, I do. All right. All right. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick this one off with a, uh, uh, a shorter tale, but no less terrifying. Okay. Called Bride and Seek. Back in 75, a young couple, both 18, decided to get married right after high school, which is irresponsible. The father of the bride lived in Palm Beach in a mansion was able to afford a big wedding for them. To make a long story short, they got married and the wedding was beautiful. Douche. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like a nice part of the story. Why'd you shorten that? 
After the wedding, they had a big reception in an old building and everyone got pretty drunk. They're 18. That's true. What the hell, man? All right. When there were only about 20 people left, the groom decided that they should play hide and seek. Everyone agreed and the groom was it. Because they were still kids. Yes, exactly. Too many people for Duck Duck Goose. (laughs) Not enough for Capture the Flag. Hide and seek it is. They all went and hid and the game went on. After about 20 minutes, everyone had been found except for the bride. Everyone looked everywhere and tore the whole place apart looking for her. After a few hours, the groom was furious, thinking the bride was playing a terrible trick. Eventually, everybody went home. Pissed. Mm -hmm. And drunk. Yeah. Angry and drunk. A few weeks later... Wow. Okay. We're just going to jump to a few weeks later. A few weeks later, the groom, having placed a missing persons report, gave up looking for her. Heartbroken, he tried to go on with his life. Three years later. Wow. Uh, A little old woman was cleaning the place up. She happened to be in the attic and saw an old trunk. She dusted it off and out of curiosity opened it. She screamed at the top of her lungs and ran out of the building and called the police. Apparently, the bride had decided to hide in the trunk for the game of hide and seek. When she sat down, the lid fell, knocking her unconscious and locking her inside. She suffocated after a day or so. When the woman found her, she was rotting and her mouth in the shape of a scream. I would say after three years, she was rotted. Yeah. Yeah. This is in Florida. It's hot and humid there. <laughs> and probably would have smelled bad. I don't know. The end? Is oh, that- yeah. Yeah. The end. That's it. <laughs> Man. A lesson to be learned. Yeah. Okay. Couple of couple of mistakes that were made by these people. One, their parents. The writing. Yeah. Their, <laughs> their parents clearly overly permissive. Yeah. they like, oh, you're 18, you want to get married? Sure, we're rich. We'll just do whatever we want. We're going to solve our problems with money. Yeah. You want to get drunk? Who yeah. cares? Yeah, We can fine. pay for it. Yeah. Oh, do you want to play hide and go seek? Okay, pretty much anybody would have let them do that. <laughs> That's not bad parenting at that point. Rich hide and seek. <laughs> rich hide and seek. <laughs> yeah, see, poor people's hide and seek. I mean, you know, I, mean I think the, the threat of uh, old-style refrigerators is, for the most part, gone. <laughs> So, Thank you, Punky Brewster. Yeah, that was the last. Uh, that was the last time that they were a threat to mankind. We've we've defeated old refrigerators yep. as, a, as a mortality threat. Now, old trunks. So, uh, campfire story one. Uh, that's that one's down. We did it in the and books. I think you'll still be able to sleep <laughs> after witnessing the terror of a series of bad decisions. <laughs> All right, I, I'm going to up the ante a little bit. Please up you. the ante. The ante needs an upping. This story is called Prison Inmate. It's already scary. (laughs) I mean, it could just, you could literally just read any prison inmate's diary from any day and it will be scary. A pretty woman was serving a life sentence in prison for murder. Angry and resentful about her situation, she decided that she couldn't spend her life in prison. She began plotting ways to escape from the jail. She became good friends with one of the prison caretakers. His job was to bury any prisoners who died in a graveyard just outside the prison walls. Whenever a prisoner died, the caretaker rang a bell, which was heard by all of the prison inmates. The caretaker then got the body and put it in a casket. 
Next, he entered his office to fill out the death certificate before returning to the casket to nail the lid shut. Finally, he put the casket on a wagon to take it to the graveyard and bury it. Knowing this routine, the woman devised an escape plan and shared it with the caretaker. The next time the bell rang, the woman would leave her cell and sneak into the dark room where the coffins were kept. She would slip into the coffin with the dead body while the caretaker was filling out the death certificate. When the caretaker returned, he would nail the lid shut and take the coffin outside the prison with the woman in the coffin along with the dead body. He would then bury the coffin. The woman knew there would be enough air for her to breathe until later in the evening when the caretaker would return to the graveyard under cover of darkness, dig up the coffin, and set her free. I can't imagine anything going wrong with this. The caretaker was reluctant to go along with this plan, but since he and the woman had become good friends over the years, and she was pretty, he agreed to do it. Because you're pretty, I'm going to nail you into a box with a corpse and bury you. But only because you're pretty. The woman waited several weeks for one of the other prison inmates to die. Meanwhile, she practiced the art of lockpicking in order to escape from her cell when the time came. I was wondering how she was just getting, like, how they're just like, oh, and then she left her cell yeah. and went into the room where all the caskets are kept. Yeah. Because it's a terrible prison if there's weeks right. before the next death. One night, she was asleep in her cell when she heard the death bell ringing. She got up, picked the lock of her cell, and slowly walked down the hallway. She was nearly caught a couple of times. Her heart was beating fast. She opened the door to the darkened room where the coffins were kept. Grabbing a book of matches from the table next to the coffin, she quietly found the one that contained the dead body, carefully climbed into it, and pulled the lid shut to wait for the caretaker to come and nail the lid down. Soon she heard footsteps and the pounding of the hammer and the nails. Even though she was very uncomfortable in the coffin with the dead body beneath her, she knew that with each nail she was one step closer to freedom. The coffin was lifted onto the wagon and taken outside to the graveyard. She could feel the coffin being lowered into the ground. She didn't make a sound as the coffin hit the bottom of the grave with a thud. Finally, she heard the dirt dropping onto the top of the wooden coffin, and she knew that it was only a matter of time until she would be free at last. After several minutes of absolute silence, she began to chuckle quietly to herself. Feeling curious, she decided to light a match to find out the identity of the dead prisoner beside her. To her horror, she discovered that she was lying on top of the dead caretaker. What? But then how was she good? <gasps> Prison inmate. Oh, some things I'd like to know. One, how did she practice the art of lockpicking? Hmm. She's just, I mean, because apparently she's, People are only inmates until they decide to learn how to pick a lock. <laughs> probably had a bobby pin around there. Yeah, people, I mean, if you looked down right now, you would probably see a bobby pin. It's not like they're not everywhere. But like <laughs> prison inmates, learn, like will make a flamethrower. Mm -hmm. Just saying, she could have left. And this seems inordinately complex. So maybe, maybe she got what she deserved. That's what happens when you, and also who lights a match in a coffin? Because even if it doesn't, you know, it does burn your oxygen, but also there's that sulfury match smell. That's not going anywhere. Yeah. 
Uh, maybe the curious liked a match in a coffin. Yeah, I, that was a weird part because it said then she started feeling curious. Maybe the overly was, dramatic. I thought this was going to get real weird. It didn't? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you go to jail. You have to stay there or you'll end up buried with a corpse. That's right. That's story number two. That's two down. Two down for you. All right. I've got a great one. Good. Uh, this is a this is a, a story that I hand selected that I'm very excited to scare your brains out with. Okay. It's called Mitai Doty Walker. And I know that if you're thinking right now, wow, with the accent, I didn't understand what he said. It's gibberish. So that's so you, you're correct. Yeah. So I mean, if you're from gibber, that makes perfect sense. But if you don't, if you're not native speaker, that you won't get it. All right. There was a small village in the middle of a dark forest. In the village, there was a haunted house that everyone was terrified to enter. Nobody would dare stay there overnight. Legend had it that every night at midnight, a bloody severed head fell down the chimney. They'd stack up. Yeah. Was it the same one every night? (laughs) I don't know. know. Is there just like a, a guy whose job it is just to throw it on the pile? Or One day, a rich man was passing through the village. After hearing about the haunted house, he offered a thousand dollars to whoever was brave enough to spend an entire night inside. None of the villagers would take him up on the bet until a young boy stepped forward and raised his hand. The boy announced that he would spend the night in the haunted house as long as he could bring his dog with him. The man agreed and it was settled. <laughs> it's kind of his cheap. dog who he had trained to eat yeah, human heads. His head his his dog head eater. The next evening, the boy set off for the haunted house with his trusty dog following close behind. As he entered the dreary abode, he whistled a happy tune to calm his nerves. After doing a little exploring, he decided to make himself comfortable in the living room. He started a fire in the fireplace, then lay down on the couch with his dog and waited for morning to arrive. So it's the fireplace that the heads come down? Yeah, and it's furnished. There's a sofa. Jeez. All right. For a while, nothing happened. Then, a little after midnight, he thought he heard a strange noise over the crackling of the fire and the creaking of the house. It sounded like it was coming from somewhere out in the woods. Someone or something was singing a haunting tune. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Blue. Sang the eerie voice. The boy stared out the window and his hair stood on end. Maybe it's just somebody taking a shortcut through the woods, he told himself. Because he's dumb, dude. Oh, yeah. Do you get it? Sure. Okay. I got it from the voice. (laughs) Then his dog suddenly perked up and sang, Linchy, kinchy, kali, mali, dingo, dingo. It's it's an Australian dog. Yeah. Yeah. The dog did that. The boy could hardly believe his ears. The dog had never uttered a word before. <laughs> like, Which was really weird up to that point. And the boy felt betrayed. <laughs> this is the worst time to start talking. Okay. Now it was answering the haunting voice in the woods. He pinched himself to make sure he wasn't dreaming. A few minutes later, the boy heard the voice singing again. Only this time, it was closer and louder. Me tie doty walker, sang the mysterious Irish voice. <laughs> the dog answered again, Inchi kinchi kali mali dingo dingo. The dog sounds like an old haint. 
<laughs> well, that's how the song is sung. If you've ever seen Lynchy Kenji, Kali Molly Dingo Dingo, <laughs> this really had the boy scared. He was afraid that whoever was lurking in the woods would hear the dog singing and come get them. So, so the boys got the, the situation flipped. <laughs> He's afraid that whoever's in the woods at two in the morning is going to be drawn to the house by the sound of his singing dog. Right. All right. Dumb kid. A few minutes later, the boy heard the voice singing again. Now it was in the backyard. Me tie, walker. It cried. And the dog sang back even louder. Linchy, kinchy, carly, molly, dingo, dingo. A few minutes later, the boy heard the voice singing again. Now it was coming down the chimney. Me tie, walker. It yelled. And once again, the dog sang back. Sing it with me. Linchy, kinchy, carly, molly, dingo, dingo. <laughs> Suddenly, a bloody severed head fell down the chimney. It missed the fire and landed right in front of the dog. Lucky. The dog took one look at it and fell over dead from fright. Then, the head turned and stared at the boy. It slowly opened its mouth and screamed. The next morning, the rich man went to check on the boy and found him lying on the floor of the haunted house. His hair had turned white and he couldn't stop screaming. That is the end of the story. <laughs> what? There's no resolution to anything. What the? How about you get... It's haunted for a reason. People don't go there for a reason. But the singing and then the dog singing, but it doesn't explain that suddenly the dog can speak and then the dog just dies. Because it seemed like the dog was in on it. Yeah, the dog was the inside man. Also, uh, and this wasn't deliberate, but I've noticed that um, I choose stories with the most gibberish in them <laughs> or a song that has to be sung over and over. Yeah. I've done this before. It seemed really familiar as I was doing it. <laughs> That's uh, that that one is going to keep you awake for some time. Doing great, doing great so far. Yeah, sorry I ruined outdoor fun with my terror. <laughs> let's see if we can uh, uh, sally forth here. Oh, let's let's do it through through this uh, terrifying forest of fear-inducing tales. Uh, I'm going to tell you a tale straight from España. Is that uh, like going to be from Barcelona? Uh, no, from the Castillo region of Southern uh, España. Worst accent on the planet. <laughs> says you. <laughs> yes, says me. Uh, this story is simply called El Nino. Shut up. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is called El Nino? No, El Nino's. Oh, plural. There's two. All right. I thought it was about a mysterious weather system. Well, well why don't you just spoiler everything? <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> please, I make apologies to you. Uh, apologies accepted. Um, muy, please, muy, muy sorry. May we, por favor, have uh, the flamenco music? Si, sí, que bueno. Es so caliente. Now come to me, Flora. Tell me your tale of misery and terror. There were uh, two boys in España. 
who were always up to mischief. And their names were Juan and Garros, and they were 13 years of age. The niños wanted a good horror story to tell their friends. After much thought, they hit upon the idea of going into the local graveyard and digging up a skeleton. The niños knew this would be a horrible thing to do, but they liked the idea of becoming grave robbers. They were sure their friends would be impressed. The irresponsible niños waited until nightfall so that nobody would see them. Then stealthily, they made their way to the cemetery. After climbing over the wall, they waited for a few minutes to make sure the graveyard was deserted. One of the boys spotted a shovel lying beside a freshly dug grave. This gave him a local idea that it would make for an even better story if they dug up a recently deceased corpse. And they love to it all night long. No, Papi. not this story. No, oh, not my, for this one. Sorry, my bad. For another noche. Neighbors who lived beside the cemetery were awoken during the night by the sound of digging. It sounded as if the dead were rising from their graves. The alarmed neighbors grabbed their sticks, their machetes, and their guns for protection. Cautiously, they went out into the night and quietly searched for the source of the strange sounds. In the darkness, a voice was heard shouting, and they saw two ghostly figures crouching over a grave. The terrified neighbors attacked the ghostly figures, beating, stabbing, and hacking them in a fearful panic. Afterwards, they fled and returned to their beds, waiting for dawn to break. When they returned the next day, the neighbors found the dead bodies of two young boys lying on the ground. Both of them had been badly beaten. Their heads were cracked open and their brains had fallen out. The people were horrified when they realized that the figures they had seen the night before had not been ghosts at all. They were just two niños estupido who fancied themselves as grave robbers. As they stared at the two corpses, the people became worried that the police would come and arrest them for murder. So they quickly dug two shallow graves and buried the broken bodies of the two foolhardy niños before anybody else found out what had happened. The crime was covered up and the two boys were reported missing. Ever since then, they say the ghosts of the two Spanish niños haunt the graveyard every night, unearthing and desecrating the graves of the people who murdered them. At night, neighbors hear odd screams coming from the cemetery and strange voices yelling, Don't they stop Every morning, the remains of the dead are found dismembered and scattered throughout the cemetery. And that is the end of El Niños. Those are terrible kids. They are like hell-bent on just effing every... They're just ucking everybody's shit for eternity. Yeah. Let's get into some trouble. What can we do? Mm, I don't know. Dig up dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. They really went to the top shelf right off the bat. Yep. And then, you know, people get worried about it. They kill them. And and here's another thing. Why dig shallow graves if the kids were already next to? They didn't recent, deserve but, <laughs> the, the few more feet that they could have. If there's one thing I know how to do, it's to dispose of a body of a person I've accidentally killed because I was frightened. Mm-hmm. You dig it right where the grave already was. <laughs> That way, it's it doesn't makes perfect sense that that that's you know oh that's that's where we buried Stan last week. So for our next tip, yeah. we'll be driving to <laughs> yeah. So so there you go. Uh, there's a tale from España. 
Name brand versus generic lie. Do they all dissolve flesh the same? <laughs> Those were stupid of kids. Yeah. Niños are stupid. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Thanks to our Spanish friends and their <laughs> horrible, horrible niños. <laughs> All right. What do you got? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it I'm gonna keep it religious. <laughs> Good, because uh, we haven't strayed from that path yet. Nope. This one's called Sunday Morning, which always reminds me of the Johnny so- Cash song "Sunday Morning Coming Down," which might be my favorite Johnny Cash song. Clip and save, listeners. That's right. You guys want to impress me? Somehow work that into a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to do it in a Spanish accent. <laughs> There was a young girl named Josephine. Uh, <laughs> Ambitually led for Sunday morning mass at her local church. <laughs> her loco church. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there was a young girl named Josephine who was habitually late for Sunday morning mass at her local church. She always forgot to set her alarm and wouldn't wake up in time. Finally, she got tired of her parents telling her off and decided she would never be late for mass again. Her very uh, Catholic parents telling her off. Mm-hmm. No one likes to get told off, dude. <laughs> Nobody. If you don't go to that damn church <laughs> on time, I swear to God, <laughs> I will beat the love of God into you. <laughs> one Sunday morning, Josephine woke up at midnight. So, like, the technically morning, but not really. Unaware of what time it was, she thought she had overslept again and jumped out of bed. She quickly got dressed and ran out the door without ever looking at the clock, or the sky, or anything. (laughs) It was still dark outside, but it was usually dark at that time of year. It was very quiet and there was no one else on the street. The only sound she could hear was the noise of her own footsteps on the pavement as she hurried towards the church. The memory of her most recent telling off still burning. When she heard the church bell ring, she quickened her pace and took a shortcut through the cemetery. She got to the church just as the service was about to begin. She found a seat and took a look around. Finally, much to her surprise, she didn't recognize anyone. The church was filled with people she had never seen before. They were all staring straight ahead, and an eerie silence hung over the gathering. When the priest came out to celebrate Mass, Josephine realized he was a stranger too. She stood up and screamed, what the f*** is this bullshit mass? You f***ers. This is what I've been missing. (laughs) This is what I've been getting told off for. My father told me off. All right. I Uh, have a confession. You all suck. (laughs) The priest told the congregation to pray for the soul of a young girl named Francoise who had died the night before. Josephine was shocked. She knew Francoise, and she had never even heard that the poor girl was ill. Time out. From now on, you have to do this in a French accent. Josephine and Francoise. All right. Sorry that we cheated you, yeah. listener, out of out of the earlier. But. You're right. Now it's true. There is a preponderance of the evidence here. Yeah. Okay. The priest told the congregation to pray for the souls of a young girl named Francoise, who had died the night before. In a horrible bagatelling accident. <laughs> It was just a ficelle, so thin, yet so deadly. <laughs> Josephine was shocked. She knew Francoise, and she had never even heard the poor girl was ill. Something was radically wrong. <laughs> she began to feel very uneasy. Try uneasy. Try. 
She looked around again, and as her eyes began to adjust to the dim light, she saw someone she knew. There was an old woman sitting in the back of the church. <laughs> Josephine's heart sank when she remembered the old woman had died the year before. Quoi? Quoi? Looking towards the front of the church, she saw some of the people sitting there looked very strange. Their skin seemed to be pearly white, and one of them turned his head, and Josephine discovered to her horror, It was all mimes! <laughs> mimes! <laughs> Curses! Mime convention! Scariest story ever. <laughs> she has stumbled into an MA meeting, Mimes Anonymous! <laughs> One of them turned his head, and Josephine discovered to her horror that he was nothing but a skeleton in a suit. Just a skull, he sometimes. Ça c'est une masse pour les dead. <laughs> Thought Josephine. Everyone here is more, except for me. He's a specter's mass. Oh, merde. She noticed that some of them were staring at her, their eyes filled with anger. It was clear to her that she had no business being there. Suddenly, she felt a tap on her shoulder. Nervously, she turned around and found her grandfather standing in the row behind her. He had been dead for nearly three years. It was a worried look on his withered face. How, how is it the face will look worried if he's dead for three years? Is the bones of the teeth in a certain... Uh, je ne sais pas. <laughs> anyway, he leaned toward her and whispered in her ear, Live right now. You all should leave. <laughs> you need to go. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. <laughs> he leaned toward her and whispered in her ear. Y'all should go now. <laughs> y'all should leave. Y'all don't belong here. Josephine immediately grabbed her coat and walked quickly but respectfully towards the door. <laughs> she heard hollow footsteps echoing behind her and glanced back. The dead were rising out of their seats and following her, their faces twisted in fury and hate. Josephine was terrified and she dashed to the door. I'm not American, <laughs> she screamed. <laughs> there is no need for this hatred. <laughs> a pack of shrieking ghouls snapping at her heels. She felt the skeletal hands grabbing at her, trying to stop her leaving. Please, please, you stay with us. Please. She twisted and turned, struggling to free herself from their grasp. Her coat was ripped off and her hat was snatched from her head. Oh no, that the rain. <laughs> Just as she managed to slip out the door, screaming and crying and almost out of her mind with fear, Josephine ran all the way home and told her parents what has happened. Later that day, someone tried brave. This is a very brave person who did this. It's a legionnaire. <laughs> Come to the house holding what was left of Josephine's golden hat. They had been found in the cemetery, torn to shreds. Is a French a horror story? Her coat and hat were very nice. Oh. It's about fashion destruction. Oh, very uh, scary. Uh, it is the legions of hell destroying her perfect oh. outfit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a tale of French terror. I, you know what? I, I rescind my earlier statement that I apologized for cheating everybody out of earlier franchises. <laughs> I think we got just the, the right amount there. Yep. Just yep. the right amount. 
just uh, I, I think any amount is just the right amount of French accent. Yeah, it's it's like a perfect spice. Everybody likes it. Flora, take us on home. All right. If at this point you're still listening, if you're not just curled up into a ball, rocking back and forth, snot running down your face in pure abject terror, your your burnt marshmallow on the stick at your side. <laughs> Why did I do this? I ruined everything. The woods are so dark. All right, this one this one is uh, pretty gut-wrenching. Okay, wrench my guts. Let's try it. Um, This one is called The Peephole. Is this a scary story or an erotic story? Yes. <laughs> well, French accent for you. Go. <laughs> No, there's nothing more erotic than a, a Russian accent. <laughs> you story about men make hole in wall to make watch other people not wearing clothing. This man, he is a terrible person. End of story. His name, Divot. Hi, everybody. <laughs> nah, I'm a nice guy. I am nice. I make nice with the people on the neighbor. I have demons. <laughs> I carry around the baggage, <laughs> but it's all okay. All right. Um, no, it's not Russian. Okay. Here we go. A 15-year-old girl named Donna lived with her father in a small house in the suburbs. Ever since her mother died, Donna had depended on her father for everything. They had a wonderful relationship and loved each other very much. One morning, Donna's father was leaving on a business trip. As they ate breakfast together, he told her that he would be home very late that night. With that, he kissed her on the forehead, grabbed his briefcase, and walked out the front door. Later that day, when Donna came home from school, she did some homework and watched some TV. By midnight, her father had still not returned, so she decided to go to bed. That night, she had a dream. She found herself standing at the edge of a busy highway. Cars and trucks whizzed by at an alarming rate. She looked across the highway and saw a familiar figure standing on the other side. It was her father. His hands were cupped around his mouth, and he seemed to be shouting something to her, but she couldn't make out what he was saying. As the traffic whizzed by, she strained to hear. Her father's eyes were sad. He seemed to be desperately trying to communicate something to her. She could barely make out the words, Don't. Open. Door. Suddenly, Donna was awoken from the dream by a strange tapping noise. Then somebody began to ring the doorbell downstairs. She scrambled out of bed and put on her slippers. Then, dressed only in her nightgown, she ran downstairs and went to the front door. Looking through the peephole, she saw her father's face outside. He was staring right at her. The doorbell kept ringing insistently. Okay, hold on, I'm coming, she shouted. She pulled back the deadbolt and was about to unlatch the door when she stopped. She looked through the peephole at her father again. Something about his expression didn't quite look right. His eyes were wide open. He looked terrified. She slid the deadbolt back into place. Dad, she yelled through the door, did you forget your keys? Dad, answer me. Dad, please, I I need you to answer me. Is there someone else out there with you? Why won't you answer me? I'm not opening the door until you say something. 
The doorbell kept ringing and ringing, but for some reason, her father refused to answer her desperate cries. For the rest of the night, the frightened girl cowered in a corner of the hallway, helplessly listening to the ceaseless ringing of the doorbell. It seemed to go on for hours. Eventually, she fell into an uneasy sleep. At dawn, she woke up and realized that everything was quiet. She crept over to the door and looked through the peephole again. Her father was still there, staring at her. She cautiously opened the door and was confronted with a sight that filled her with unimaginable horror. Her father's severed head was hanging from a nail above the door. There was a note attached to the doorbell. It read, Clever Girl. What? Like a velociraptor? (laughs) A raptor got to her dad, tried to get to her. Oh my God. And on the back, it read, have fun with all those psychotic problems that you're going to have for the rest of your life. Yeah, you quote, there's even air quotes on the thing said, you survived this. Yeah. You're fine. That's the real horror. Oh God. That was pretty good, huh? Yeah. I think that's uh, one from our Korean or Japanese friends. They they know they know spooky. They know how to do it right. Really good. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing, man. They really do. All right, I've got uh, I've got one more. I got I got I got one more story for you. Okay, great. From me, I think you're gonna think you're gonna take it home, right? I'll, I'll close it out. Okay. for us, but yeah, let's hear yours. Okay, this story is called Something Black and Cold. It started with little things. Strange incidents that were sometimes inconvenient, sometimes almost amusing. But then, the heavy trouble began. And the terror. In the early 1970s, two sisters, who, for reasons unknown, have completely different names, and one of them is ridiculous, Lois Dean and Deantha Summer, moved their families into two old houses. Oh, because they were married. I thought they were like young kids. Deantha? Yeah. Diantha. Diantha? In the early 1970s, two adult sisters named Lois Dean and Diantha Summer moved their families into two old houses in the middle of Rawlins, Wyoming, a small city in the Rocky Mountains. Lois and her husband and their six children moved into the big house. Diantha, weird name, and her two sons took the carriage house right behind the main house. Very soon, strange things began to happen in the big house. Not prison, just a larger house. Gotcha. Lights kept turning on and off. At first, the adults thought it was just the kids playing around, but soon they found that the lights seemed to be going on and off by themselves, even when no one else was around. Thinking it must be an electrical problem, Lois and her husband had the house rewired, but it kept happening. And that is not a cheap project. No, it's not. When the children were playing games, they would leave the room for a minute and then come back to find the game pieces missing. An older daughter found the colors in her makeup kits often smeared together. At first she thought the younger children were doing it, so she banished them from her room, but it kept happening even after she padlocked the door. What parents let their kids padlock their door? Good ones. (laughs) Ones that are concerned about their safety with ghosts. That's right. You you know these kids aren't going to get to get married at 18. If there's one thing that stops a ghost, it's a lock. (laughs) They hate locks. Maybe it's a raptor that's bothering them. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Well, let's find out if they're clever girls. The family dog wagged his tail as though at an invisible guest, and his eyes followed something across the room. Sometimes, in the big house, the bathroom cabinet would be found completely empty. 
Toothbrushes, combs, and medicines would all be gone, to be found later in odd places. Again, Lois thought it was the children, but it even happened when they were at school and she was home alone in the house. Things began to get rough. First of all, they're spending a lot of time blaming their kids. The dog started getting into the <laughs> Then it got real rough. A boyfriend of one of the girls was playfully climbing through a window. <laughs> what? Yep. yep. That's not... I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to flirt. Here I come. <laughs> Ow. Ow, it scraped me. Um, see, you know what? This is the, the home invader. They could have made a ton of money off of... I ain't going to rape you. <laughs> I ain't gonna do it. I'm snatching up your children. <laughs> Hide your dogs. Hide your wife. <laughs> okay. This is ridiculous. He was playfully climbing through a window. Something unseen picked him up and threw him inside against a wall. That was the end Need of that hand. boyfriend. <laughs> that was the end of that boyfriend. He, he died? never oh. Yeah. She they <laughs> He never came back for another visit. My work here is done. So his story is that he was playfully pretending to climb through a window when supernatural forces shoved him through the window? Yeah. Weird. Not long afterward, one of the younger boys said it had seen something in the garage. Mike, Diantha's 14-year-old, decided to take a look. He started out the back door of the big house and suddenly felt two hands grab him and throw him through the air, back into the kitchen, into the refrigerator. He had big red marks on his chest as if something had scratched him. Lois was infuriated, and she began yelling, I don't care who you are. I am not putting up with you coming into my house and hurting kids. She was so angry that she was momentarily unafraid. She dashed out into the garage, and there she saw a black shape. It was big and billowy, she says, and it was dressed like a woman in something black and long. It came toward her smoothly, as though it were on wheels. <laughs> as though it were on heelys. <laughs> Something black and cold started coming out of it, like ribbons, she recalls. It started wrapping me in those strands. I could feel their coldness. I couldn't move. Then she felt her sister, who saw the shape too, grab her from behind and jerk her away from the thing and back into the big house. The sisters sat up all night, praying as hard as they could. The prayers may have had a good effect, for they never saw the thing again. May? The, may yeah. I, okay. All right. I mean... Maybe that worked. Right. I. That seems not or terribly... maybe it just chose that night to leave. Not very grateful of them. Okay. They took to calling the incident the main event. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Do you guys remember three years ago, the main... <laughs> That was really scary. (laughs) Afterwards, they felt the atmosphere to be a little less oppressive. However, everyone had a sense that the place was still not quite right. And before long, both families moved out. In talking to the neighbors, only one event in the past seemed to hold a clue. Back in the early 1900s, a graveyard on the property was dug up and moved to another location. Rumor had it that two bodies were left behind. Were these two different restless spirits? We may never know. Okay, this story... I'm Listen, I'm not going to tell you how to feel, but it'll help me a lot if you're terrified. <laughs> but these stories don't seem to really put much of a, uh, a premium on, on, on closure. Story, on story closure. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's no structure here. 
This is like Vietnam storytelling. <laughs> I found in reading a lot of these stories that a lot of them are like, this is the scary stuff that happened. Here's why it may have happened, and here's other things that you can think of for the future and stuff. And isn't that crazy? As opposed to being like, and they were never seen again. Right. Like, th- these are these are not a person's account. These are these are these are fictional stories these that are were written by someone. Pussy dismounts is yeah, what they are. They really are. Like you don't there's you just get scared. I mean like are you and not even scared of the story. I mean like like afraid of failure. So you're like, well I, I can't end this story well. So I'm I just don't gonna offend anybody. So I'm just gonna, you know, do the uh the end. Or is it the end? But nobody got hurt. Everybody's fine. I hope you're doing okay. Why don't you make yourself some hot chocolate? I've got a recipe down below. Use it. Please link to me. Like us on Facebook. Oh. <laughs> is, is it that how they end? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm not impressed with this. I'm sorry. It would have been a cooler story if one of the sisters had been destroyed by the creature or... Had sacrificed herself. That's right. To save Diantha. Because she wasn't scared for a second there. She forgot to be scared. That's how mad she got. All right, uh, let me close it out with a good old poem. A spooky poem? Yeah, you know, it's a... I don't know if it's spooky, but it's it's definitely one of those... Uh, oh, I'll tell you. Ta- mm-hmm. it's, one, it's one of those learn from it tales. Okay, let's learn something. This is the tale of the properly fixed and set up mosquito netting. A cautionary event. <laughs> yeah, this one, I, I mean, I guess you could say it's a little morbid. But Good. It, uh, it, it, it should get its point across. And uh, I'm going to do it in a Cockney accent. <laughs> why? You know what? Because at this point, why the f*** not? Right. I dare you to do it. I got a shiny quarter right here. It's all yours if you can do this in a Cockney accent. You got two bits. <laughs> Says I could do it in a Cockney accent. Do it. Thumbs to diddle. <laughs> Blinkity goo goo. <laughs> okay, for a second there, I thought you had researched some more terms, but then <laughs> that last one that yeah, yeah, sold you out. <laughs> yeah, thumbs to diddle sounds pretty good though. All right, this one is called Little Match Girl. Mum and Dad went out one day and left Pauline at home to play. Alone at last, she happily sang, clapped her hands and danced and sprang. Now on the table, close at hand, a box of matches chanced to stand. And though her parents often told her if she touched them, they would scold her. Pauline said, oh, what a pity, when they burn, they are so pretty. They crackle so and fire in flame. It's like a little burning game. I'll only light a match or two, just like I've seen my mother do. But Pauline would not take advice. She lit a match, it was so nice. It crackled so, it burned so clear. Her happiness was so sincere. She jumped for joy and ran about. And was too pleased to put it out. Now see, oh, what a dreadful thing. The fire has caught upon her apron string. Her dress, it burns, her arms, her hair. She burns all over, everywhere. She screams for help, but all in vain. All she can do is scream again. The fire burned up all her clothes. Her arms and hands, her eyes and nose. Until she had nothing to lose, 
except her little dancing shoes. And it was these her parents found among her ashes on the ground. And when her parents stood beside the smoking ashes, how they cried. The tears ran down their cheeks about. But tears can't put a fire out. Watching you do the hands. Oh, that's oi. a right cautionary tale, uh, isn't it? Oi, oi. <laughs> See, fire safety. This is important for camping. Mm-hmm. And yep. don't wear dancing shoes, although they seem to be flame resistant. Yep. Don't let your kids play with matches. No. I mean, the parents tried to tell her. Yeah, they did, and she didn't listen. Stupid little... It's like a German fairy tale. Yeah. Oh, she she light a match, did she? Too bad she entirely was engulfed in flames and burnt to death. Oh, she liked to bite her nails, did she? Too bad the tailor came and cut off her fingers. Like he does. No one will be up... Okay, we'll stop there. (laughs) German German fairy tales are are cautionarily terrifying. And violent, yes. Man, that was a uh, that was that was a good that was a good dismount though. Not like oh. all our ghost stories. That was a solid, well done dismount. Had a had a good uh, conclusive end to it. It did. It yeah. did. Had a had a moral to tell. <laughs> was completely morbid. <laughs> <laughs> Just like any good ghost story should be. Exactly. Man, you know, I think uh, I guess there's only a few more terrifying utterances for us to say at this point. Then that's right. And there's nothing uh, thus far more terrifying than the puns we are about to bring you. <laughs> For these we, these puns we are about to receive, we thank no one. <laughs> um, who who should start this uh, round of terror? You should. I started last time. Oh, boy. Then let's start with the freshest tale that we uh, have in our brains. I have a store for locks and handles. It's called The Little Latch Girl. Oh, Nice. <laughs> Uh, okay, I've got one. It's a uh, a country business, you know, for people who live in the country, work in the city, for people who have pets that need, you know, they need to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's called Me Thai Doggy Walker. <laughs> and he sings to the dogs, and then the dogs sing to him. <laughs> they all get a little chew toy. It looks like a little tiny severed head. <laughs> Boy, I can't wait! I can't wait to see how you dismount if, yeah. if you're leading with that one. Thanks, that sucks. You just <laughs> jinx the balls off of me, you bastard. I like to think of our puns as a good game of euchre. <laughs> Although I guess in euchre you could lead with your your top card, your, I don't, your high. I don't even know what you're talking. You about. could. <laughs> I I mean I'm just gonna stop you. Bleed all my trumps out, right? <laughs> euchre, it's fun. So, if you're bored, you know, one night, you want to get together with friends, go uh, hit the lanes and knock down some pins, why don't you go to the Peep Bowl? Is there, there, there has to be an erotic component to that. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the people who give you your shoes are scantily clad. <laughs> I guess. Okay. I'll take it. Great. I didn't have any trumps this round. Okay. You, you just shot the moon. I, I hope you know that. Oh, really? Yes, more I, euchre terms. Oh, and I'm getting that. I'm I'm picking up on that, that there's a language I don't understand that's happening right now. Oi, did I? Oi, did I? Um. <laughs> the peep bowl. Don't lose your head. You can always pick up a spare. Oh, see, there you go. You there brought go. a little extra. All right. <laughs> had to, had, to, 
<laughs> had to season it. Flora, did you uh, did you see that uh, new commercial for that new great product? No. Is well, it the one the kids are talking about? It sure is. Hold on. Let me just push play. Click. Oh, bonjour. I did not see you there. Welcome to my shop. Did you notice that your daughters ain't no pay attention so good? Maybe they're bad with clocks. Maybe you're tired of giving them a telling off. It's embarrassing for all of us. So I've made a line of clothing. Breakaway clothing for unobservant little girls. (laughs) (laughs) So if your daughters need to flee from the undead, please make sure she's wearing Mr. Gerard's breakaway clothing. (laughs) Chapeau's also available. Oh, yeah. that's pretty good. Yep. Monsieur Gerard's good. breakaway clothing we'll have for to inobservant add, girls. Add that to the list of, of commercial video ideas. That oh, yeah. Compiling. Right. Great. Man, we did it. Thank you guys for sitting through this. Thank you. Hope it serves you well in, in your uh, journeys and adventures out into the woods and Yeah, if, if you have any friends left after um, just quoting facts about the American Revolution all through your barbecues. Right, right. Um, you're welcome. Well, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Flora, I've got my, uh, in addition to our, our imaginative uh, fictional campfire, I've got some really great um, sticks with delicious marshmallows that have been toasting on the fire of literacy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I can't wait to put one of those in my head. <laughs> That's right. Careful. Don't burn them. Don't burn yourself. No, we got uh, some amazing listener mail. What? Yes. Is that what this sound means? <laughs> Yes, David. That's what that sound means. You knew that. You I, knew that. I, I just wanted to... No, I, I, under, I, I see what you were doing, but it's just it's frustrating when you pretend you don't know. I, I, I just wanted to... <laughs> <laughs> we got an oh, awesome letter uh, from our listener, Jennifer. Oh, great. And, uh, and she Jennifer, who is in my corner for the toboggan. Yes, yes, the <laughs> toboggan's hat. Yes, there yeah. are two people who refer to them as toboggans. I'd like to scratch point that, out... Scratch that for my parents do as well. I'd like to point out that Jennifer's from Georgia, not a place where people need thermal hats. <laughs> You'd be surprised, dudes. There's some mountains there. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I, I, I already seated the point. I've already yeah. given the tip of the hat. There's yeah. no, why yeah. do you keep kicking my ass about it? Sorry, dude. All right. Uh, Jennifer has an awesome email to us uh, about shadow people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and she has actually had <laughs> she's had a lot of experience with this. Uh, she said that uh, about uh, once or twice a year over the last decade, she'll have an episode of sleep paralysis. Ooh. It's always terrifying. Uh, she's only had one time where she's actually seen like a dark shape or something like that. Um, but she does. She has all of the classic symptoms of sleep paralysis. She hmm. can't move. She tries to scream, but she can't constrict her chest. So she makes very little noise. Yeah. And then after a, a few seconds, it passes. Um, but she she says these occurrences, though they happen rarely, are intensely frightening, and she'll often not be able to sleep regularly for a few days afterwards. Which uh, I can get. I get that. Sure. That would scare That's the bejesus out I of mean, me. That is arguably the worst part because that's affecting you. Right. And, uh, and so, and she goes on to say that, let's see, while it might be uh, more sensational to explain these happenings as paranormal, the truth of the matter is that I'm most likely, as you mentioned in your podcast, uh, in a hypnagogic state, transitioning between being asleep and waking. Yeah. 
and and she also says by no means is she saying that uh, shadow people uh, aren't happening. Yeah, either, yeah, that there are people that are probably experiencing something like that. But she asked a really great question: Is that why is this uh, this completely natural? Uh, well, natural in that it happens without any external help. Uh, phenomenon: a sleep paralysis. Why mm-hmm. is it always so negative and terrifying? Why why do you not hallucinate a little bluebird? Or, or is she? Uh, yeah, is she? Is she let's see. Uh, uh, why do we not at least sometimes imagine Care Bears or Brad Pitt or something light and fluffy and sweet in the room with us? Great point. Yeah, absolutely great point. I will take some editorial discretion with the Brad Pitt portion. Sure, but sure. To each their own. Well, obviously, <laughs> the Care Bears are in. Bring them. Why don't we hallucinate Bashar? <laughs> <laughs> That that's something we we didn't uh, didn't even think about when, right. when we're discussing this. If it is scientifically explainable, how does science explain the terrifying feeling that a hundred percent of these cases get? Yeah, like I I, I I have never once come across. Granted, caveat: I have not heard everybody in the world's right. story, but I haven't come across uh, a, a case where. Someone is like, oh man, I was I was paralyzed. I was trying to scream, but then Scarlett Johansson climbed on top of me, right. and I was like, I don't want to, yeah. to, to and then be I over. I woke up and I was depressed for days, and then she disappeared, and I could move. And what Wait. do I do with this? <laughs> oh, uh, you know what though, and that's but that's a good point. And there are some psychological cases, and I I mean, having just read this email, uh, I haven't looked into this, so please, if I'm if it turns out what I'm about to say is totally off base, let us know because we want to know also. You always hear about, say, for example, Tourette's syndrome. There are a lot of non-verbal uh, tics oh, with yeah. Tourette's syndrome. Yeah. But for the people who who verbalize spoken words with Tourette's syndrome, the outbursts are swear words or they're negative. I think even uh, oh, Bo Burnham, I think, has a little bit of stand-up comedy about positive Tourette's like you look great in those shoes you know those kind of things but you don't hear people have with a Tourette's tick that's just hello like you know good morning you know like you don't hear that you hear like the the and maybe it's because it's more entertaining maybe there's a bias like as far as like oh it's more fun if a guy swears swears motherfucker all the time or something but you don't you don't hear about that so I wonder if there is somehow in the in the way your mind organizes things I wonder if we are predisposed towards negative imagery or if it's easier for your brain to find and access that. Hmm. I don't know. I have no answer to that. But that's that's a really good question, Jennifer. And I think we're probably going to have to do some research on it. So thanks for the extra work, Jen. <laughs> well, I, I hate reading. <laughs> I, I, uh, I like that that point, though, that that you bring up. It's, it's kind of like how the media does these days where you're like, you don't hear about the good stuff happening in the world. It's always the bullshit. Right. So with this, maybe it yeah, maybe it's just not sexy enough to report on the the good shadow people experiences, right. you know, the people that come in and hug you while you sleep and comfort you. Maybe that's and and it could be that people Oh who my god, that's the Palladians, dude. It, it's the Palladian sex story all over again. One of my favorite things I've ever found. But maybe people do experience that, but explain it away as something else. True. It could be angels. You know, it could be a guardian angel or something as opposed to a... And if it's positive, you're not going to... You're telling a totally different story. And it never gets considered to be part of the occult or part of like, oh, that's a... You just had a great dream or or a really great, you know, lucid dream when you woke up. Yeah. Maybe maybe it just never, as a society, gets, gets filed that way. 
But uh, but then again, when you hear stories like that, there, there's never that element of paralysis. Uh, mm. The the thing is, in itself, waking up and not being able to move, not being able to make a sound, is pretty frightening. Yeah. So that maybe that lends itself to more thoughts that are negative. It's like a feedback loop. You're, yeah, you're slightly you, off. So you just you instantly start with fear, and then it just gets worse and worse. You're and afraid, worse. which makes you see uh, shadow people. Your brain's Seeing like, shadow oh, we're people scared. Makes uh, you uh, more afraid. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, how about an amorphous thing? It's got glowing red eyes. Yeah, oh, oh my god, we can't move out. There's something crawling yeah. on here. <laughs> yeah, your brain's trying to fill it in. It's one of those spiders that you eat, you know, eight times a year. That's Ugh, not true. That's not, not true. true. That's not true. Don't believe it. Don't. You do Shh. eat shadow spiders. Shadow spiders. Dave. Stop it. But that's see that is awesome and and then uh, Jennifer ends with sorry for such a long email don't you dare apologize don't apologize don't you dare send it's, us longer emails I demand it <laughs> it's it's very well thought out well written and and it brings up a great point just a, a phenomenal uh, a, a point and thank you so much for writing in yeah uh, and for sharing the, these experiences because I I know for a lot of people it, it does take you know some cojones to tell people about this stuff and great for you for for sharing that uh, with. With us we really yeah. appreciate that and if anybody else has has any out there please send them our way if you want us to to blib lab about them and which and we will share them with you um no puns this week oh. sorry but you only have yourselves to blame no pun no fun congress sucks you only have yourselves to blame that's right <laughs> what else we got in the, the old mailbox oh we had a really cool local thing uh our good friend uh jv gish hmm. uh who is a hilarious chicago comedian sent us that there was a trumpeting sound that we got a sky trumpets uh unexplained sounds here in our in our beloved chicago well yeah yeah thank you for letting us know i didn't hear it yeah he he said it was in uh the edgewater region which is a little i think north and east of us but yeah. if you are a follower of ours on twitter i believe uh jiggish yeah. shouted out to us you can probably find the link that he has to i think a youtube video yeah of of some trumpet sounds uh, but thanks, Jay, for for sending that to us. That's They're so cool. Some some weird shit. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing some weird shit. <laughs> she. she. <laughs> David Flora recently showed me The Wire and uh, like a collection of this one character who's who's catchphrase. It's an HBO show The Wire. Yeah, isn't isn't shit or even shit. It's she. <laughs> I love it. It was awesome, and now it's our new favorite thing. Great. Uh, you guys, send, it, send us in if you got weird stuff happening to you, if you got some stories, if you got puns. Yeah. If you just want to be like, hey, this, got- is, this is Stan. <laughs> Stan's listening. Stan's listening. If you want to talk about yourself in the third person, we'll, we'll encourage that. Yeah, whatever, man. Dave's into it. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did? <laughs> I looked at you for a second because I was like, I, I don't care about Dave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, uh, and don't forget, keep telling folks about us. Sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty great to do. You can you can Facebook us and click like. It's super simple. Yeah, I, I literally just described the entire process in less than two seconds. And that's about as long as it, it would take you. Yeah. to do it. You know you, what? I believe in you. And when you think no, I couldn't write a review on iTunes. I don't have the time or the wherewithal. I want you to think about me going no. You can do it because I believe in you and I'm cheering and I've got a sign. It's got your name on it and some sparkles. And there's some bananas and water waiting for you when you're done. You can do it. We'll announce your name to no (laughs) one because your anonymity is probably important to you. Correct. 
But you should still write us a review on iTunes. Click on on the Twitters. Um, Blurry underscore photos. Yeah. Stumble upon us. I'm tired of talking about stumble upon. I'm tired of it. I'm not. Well, good. Then it's your job now. Well, stumble upon us. The end. Um, (laughs) Okay, now I feel lazy. (laughs) Subscribe on YouTube. Yep. We'll keep putting stuff out there as as best we can. Mm -hmm. And yeah, keep spreading the the good word here. Scott's to go go and Bob's your uncle. Thanks for you guys who have written in with suggestions and and comments and and feedback and stuff. We love it and we appreciate it. And uh, we will get to uh, all these great suggestions uh, when when we can. Uh, We just want to make sure that you are equipped for things like the summer and the Halloween and the Yule and and provide you with the scariest haunting tales and, mm-hmm. and other fun facts. <laughs> the most bowel loosening fear that is available. Like me Tai Doty Walker. That's right. That's right. It's a terrifying story. Hope you guys have extra pants after that. That's right. It's got a bloody head in it, dude. It <laughs> looks at a dog and kills it. <laughs> I I just, I just imagine the dog screaming like a human. I mean, it's been talking up to them, just going, ah! and dying. <laughs> For this episode of Blurry Photos, I'm Linchy Kinchy Kali Molly Dingo Dingo Dave Stecko. And I'm David, the little match girl, Flora. <laughs> You're gonna burn. <laughs> you guys are gonna burn. <laughs> burn. Hey, <laughs> <laughs>